So I have to tell you, I have been looking forward to this Sunday for weeks now. You see, I knew Anne Reed was coming to sing with us. I knew we would have some songs from her new album. I knew we'd hear the song she wrote for us, The Walk On, uh, at the beginning of the service. I was so excited. I'm thrilled for this day to finally be here. I got a preview of Pat's call to worship a week or so ago, and I thought, could a person get set up better as a preacher? Hmm, we need air, we need to go deep, we need to grow in the right direction. Perfect. <laughs> so I am thrilled for this Sunday to be here, to be thinking with you, to be talking with you, to explore what does it mean to dig in, to dig deep together. Now, of course, it only helped, too, that just a few weeks ago, I ran into a quote by a rabbi. It was him doing some teaching and instructing his people, and this quote said essentially this. He said to his people, your spirit is like a tree. If you grow too many branches and don't have deep roots, you will fall over when the wind blows and the storm comes. Forget that the culture all around you is counting the number of branches you have. Forget that. Remember your true strength lies in your roots. Grow your roots deep. Now I read this and I thought, huh, perhaps this rabbi was living here with us in Minnesota in June and saw what happened when the storm came through. But it turns out, as you probably already know, this imagery of trees and the spirit, trees and the soul, is practically as old as time, this comparison, this metaphor. Now I know this metaphor well because it's one that our transcendentalist ancestors used. Those transcendentalists, many of them Unitarians who were around in the early 1800s, they shifted thinking in America, they shifted thinking within our religious association as well. Folks like Henry David Thoreau and Ralph Waldo Emerson and Margaret Fuller, just to name a few of them. They proposed several radical ideas that are still at the heart of Unitarian Universalism today. One of those radical ideas that they proposed was that the light of the divine, the absolutely trustworthy, was seated in each human heart. In each human heart. There was a spark of the divine. There was a light shining through each of us. It was there for everyone, they said. That was radical idea number one. There are probably dozens, but I'm only going to talk about two. Radical idea number two was this idea that the whole purpose of life, in fact, the responsibility of each individual was to grow their own soul. That it was possible for each person to grow that spirit, that spark of the divine that was in them. It was possible and it was our sacred responsibility to do so. Now, these were ideas that were not very popular in the dominant culture at the time. Let's take that first idea, the idea that there is light in each human heart, that there is a spark of the divine, that there is something absolutely trustworthy there in each of us. Well, this is not at all what was happening in the dominant culture at the time. Slavery was still in force. Women did not have the right to vote. Folks without money or folks who were considered different were not being treated very well. It sounds pretty familiar to me. 
Now this idea that there was light in each human heart, that it existed in each and every person, it was a radical idea 200 years ago, it is a radical idea still now. It calls us not only to uncover our own light, but to make room to create the conditions where the light in each human heart might be able to shine. So that was radical idea number one. What about this other radical idea that the purpose of life was to grow a soul? They used all kinds of agricultural images to talk about this. They talked about cultivation of the soul, self-culture. And what I think they meant was that it was, like I said before, this sacred responsibility, this sacred duty that we had to grow our own soul. They knew this was different than what the dominant culture said, right? The dominant culture then and now says clearly the purpose of life is to make more money, to accumulate more things, to look more beautiful in a very particular way, to never grow old, to seek pleasure at all costs, to avoid pain. These are the messages we get from the dominant culture. They are anything but the purpose of life is to grow a soul. This was radical then. It is radical for us now. These are seeds, seeds that are at the heart of Unitarian Universalism today. This belief in the inner light, in the truth that is held in each human heart. The idea of growing a soul as the purpose of life. These are deep within our faith community still. These words that were written, notes that Thoreau took, the books that he wrote, they were foundational to the work that Mahatma Gandhi did, that Martin Luther King Jr. did. They may seem mild in some ways, but they are anything but these ideas of the seed, the light in each human heart. So as we move into this worship theme, this series on digging in, I bring this up, this core that I think is shared by all of us, this light of the divine, the spark of truth. I bring it up because I, of course, am finding myself asking, digging in, digging in to what? To me, we are spending time over this next month through music and sermons and experiences together digging in, scratching beneath the surface that we might touch that inner light that is there within each of us, that we might touch it and grow it together. Now, this idea, this theme of digging in, I have to admit that when I first heard it, all kinds of ideas and images came to mind. In fact, when I told my wife that theme was going to be digging in, she said, oh, that means being stubborn, right? We're going to be stubborn for a month. And I said, well, you know, persistence is good. Stubbornness can be good sometimes. Sometimes you need it. But I'll tell you, the things that came to mind for me were a little bit different. I could literally hear my old coaches in the back of my head yelling at me, of course, in a loving and supportive way. I could imagine them as we were huddled together getting ready for a big game and I could hear their voices saying, come on girls, dig deep, dig deep, this is the moment, you know? And I could hear my other coach as 
the base runner was hurtling toward me at what seemed like the speed of light, and I was trying to hold on to the ball, I would hear in the background, dig in, crow, get low, dig in. So that's what I hear when I hear these <laughs> words digging in. And I don't think we all had those exact experiences, but my guess is that at some point in your life, you have had someone tell you, dig in, dig deep. This is the moment. This is the moment to dig deep. These are words we hear from coaches and mentors and teachers, from trusted friends who see us and know us. Sometimes they can see in us something we don't even know is there ourselves, and they ask us to dig in to touch that inner light, that spark that is there in each of us. Sometimes I think that we are those coaches and mentors and encouragers for one another here at church, that that is perhaps our primary job, to look at one another and see what the person may not know is there themselves, to shine a light of love and hope and trust and faith on one another, that we might dig in and dig deep. That is who we can be for each other here. Now, when those lights of love and hope and faith shine on us, I'll tell you from my own experience, it's hard to do anything but grow, to be that person that others hope for or see in me. It is a powerful, powerful force. So you can see already, I'm sure, that I love this imagery of plants and trees and the soul or the spirit and I'll tell you, I had an experience over the past week as well with this idea of the soul and plants and my tomato plants in my backyard. I've been sitting out there in the mornings watching them grow, taking some time to breathe in the morning. And I was looking at them and it came to me. I was remembering that back at the beginning of the summer, actually probably the end of the spring, there were some kids that came through our neighborhood and they were selling all kinds of plants for, to raise money for their school. And when they came by with their long list of what was available, I sat down with it and I got super excited. I planned out this amazing garden that we were gonna have in the backyard. It was gonna be lush and varied and beautiful. We ordered all of these plants. And they arrived a few weeks later and the kids brought the plants over and I thought, oh, this is fabulous, these are great. And I don't have time to put them in the ground right now. <laughs> So I'll just put them in the backyard where they'll be safe and it'll be fine, right? So I put them in the backyard and I forgot about them back there. And a couple days later, I took the trash out. And well, it had been that week in the spring where it was suddenly in the 90s, like every day. So when I took the trash out, there they were, you know, most of them dead, a few of them still struggling to survive. So we put some water on the ones that had any hope of coming back to life and put them in the shade and took good care of them. And then when they were a little bit stronger, a few days later, we put them in the ground and got all excited about what might happen. And then we left town for four weeks. <laughs> and we did that. And when we got back, our plants, well, they had miraculously survived our absence because some good friends of ours had come by diligently and watered the plants for us but the weeds were totally out of control. They were taking over, you know, the area, and the tomatoes had grown some, and they were threatening to tip over, and 
It was a giant mess out there. So we pulled some of the weeds and we tethered the plants to the fence and we kept on watering them and we were amazed at how much they perked up with just a little space and a little bit of water. It was amazing. So then like three days passed and we decided to get a puppy. And <laughs> we got this amazing puppy who loves to dig and who also thinks that anything that is green and round looks a lot like a tennis ball. In fact, it looks like his tennis ball, he's pretty sure. So our plants suffered again, <laughs> despite all of our best efforts to protect them. But here's the thing. Here's the thing I was thinking about outside in the mornings this week. They're still there. Those tomato plants are still there. They are there after having suffered all of that abuse and neglect. They are there after our very sporadic attention. They are there because in a moment of crisis, we paid a little bit of attention because our friends came by and took care of them when we couldn't. They were there because we tried to chase the dog away and distract him with other shiny objects. They're there. And it's not just the plants, but the fruits of the plant. They're still there. Now, I think that our souls are an awful lot like those tomato plants. I believe that our souls are resilient and hardy and creative and beautiful. I believe that our souls, that our spirits, that what is true at the core for each of us, that it responds amazingly well to any bit of light and attention and care we can give. I believe that just like those plants, our souls, our spirits perk up when they are watered, when the weeds are cleared away, when we fend off the dogs, when we bring some water, when we pay some attention. I've been absolutely amazed this summer at how little it takes for those tomato plants to perk up and reach for the sun. I've been amazed my whole life at how much better I feel after a walk around the neighborhood or around the lake, after an honest conversation with somebody that I trust, after time in meditation or prayer or writing or listening to music or reading, how any of those feed my spirit, how it doesn't take much for me to feel grounded, to remember again the light that shines in me and in you. I think it's a miracle, the resilience of our souls. I think it is an absolute miracle the resilience that our souls, that plants and our gardens and trees have. But here's what else I believe. I believe that for the most part, we neglect our souls and our spirits. I think for the most part, myself included, we forget that there is a spark of the divine, that there is something absolutely trustworthy there at the center of our beings. And just like with those tomato plants, I think sometimes we rely too much on the resilience and the hope that we know is there in our souls, and we neglect them at our peril. I know I have thought a lot over this past week and over the weeks about this image of the tree, the advice from the tree, what we need. I've been thinking about it, and I've been thinking I do not want Myself, I do not want any of you to end up in the pile that goes to the chipper. I'll tell you, there is a big tree out in front of our yard right now with a giant orange X on it. And I know that it is coming down. 
that is probably coming down in the next week or so, and it's going to go to the chipper, and it'll be mulch, and it'll be a great cycle of life and all of that. But it will also go to the chipper. <laughs> and I don't want our souls, our lives, to go in that direction. I know that a little bit of light, a little bit of air, some water, some encouragement in the right direction can make a huge difference for us. I know it matters in my life. I've seen it matter in other people's lives. So this month, as we head into this theme of digging in, of remembering, of touching, of clearing away the weeds that surround that spark of the divine, that absolutely trustworthy that is seated in each of our hearts, I hope that we might each make a commitment, a small one perhaps, maybe a big one, but some commitment to let the light shine in on our souls a little more often, a little more regularly. Maybe the commitment will simply be to get to church once a week. Maybe the commitment will be an honest conversation with somebody that you trust once a week. Maybe it'll be a walk outside. Maybe it'll be some time in contemplation. Whatever it is that gives your souls the air and the water and the chance to go deep that we need so much. Maybe you'll take a chance and join one of our community circles, one of those opportunities to travel with others who are there for the purpose of growing their soul. Maybe you'll remember the light that is there in your heart and it will remind you of the light that is there in everybody's heart and it will compel you to act for justice that that light might shine brightly. Maybe it'll be as simple as going outside and watering the tomatoes. Whatever way you decide to dig in this month, I invite you to commit to something one month and get started on it. Because this is a crazy, fast-paced world that we live in. This is a world where the dominant culture tells us things that are insane about the purpose of our life. We have got to remember what is really important. We have got to hold close to that. And we have to encourage one another to do the same. There is so much to learn from the trees, the poet reminded us this morning. Our spiritual ancestors remind us too. We can learn to stand tall and proud, to sink our roots deeply into the earth. We can learn to reflect the light of a greater source, a light that lives within each of us. We can learn to find, to remember our place among all living beings. We can learn to embrace with joy the changing seasons and all that they bring. We can lean in and feel the sun and the wind and delight in the simple pleasures. We can drink plenty of water. We can remember our roots. We can be flexible. We can enjoy this life. So how will you dig in this month? How will you uncover that light that is there in your heart, that light that is there in all of the hearts around you? How will we dig in? Let this be our question. Amen.